Mark Batterson is one of my favorite writers, and I think he probably wins the award for uh, the most quoted in our book. Um, and he's written over 40 books himself. And so he, like anyone who um, refines their craft and has done it that much, like it just really shows in his writing. And he has a way with words and he loves learning and finding amazing stories and anecdotes that perfectly illustrate the points that he's making. And, um, and he's a world-class encourager in all of his books. And this is part of what I love so much about him. And he, he leaves you feeling like he's in your corner, like he's your cheerleader, um, just kind of pointing you to Jesus and all that's possible with God. And so his new book that came out is this right here, Please, Sorry, and Thanks. And I love the kind of framework that he laid out in here. It's a really simple framework, and I'm a big fan of like keeping things simple and boiling them down to their most um, simple parts. And he really just unpacks just what kind of profound effect this simple framework can have on your life um, and the world around you um, if you just kind of live it out. And so anyway, it's a great read. Definitely check out this book. Please, sorry, thanks. And we're going to explore really today, primarily focus on the thanks part of it and just highlight some different things in there as in our discussion. But um, but anyway, all that to say, I kind of want to start just by thanking you, Mark, um, and just kind of, you know, because when we wrote our book a couple years ago, you were a big encouragement to me. Um, and to this day, I still, when I sit down and write, I take my shoes off. Um, I still worship with the 26 letters on my keyboard. Come on. Um, and I'm still thanking God every time a prayer is answered, you know, with one of those books when it's moved out there, out the door. Wow. So I appreciate all of that. Oh, and the one other thing, I will tell you this, um, up on our wall over here. We haven't even let him talk. I know. Let I'm, the man talk. I'm going to talk in one second, but up on our wall over here, we have two miracles that are in the process of happening. Um that I would say we have circled, that we are, I will let you know about them once we uh, see them in fruition, but I'll leave it at that. So with uh, all that, Mark, I'm going to shut up and just say welcome to the Seed Time Money podcast. I I mean, Bob and Linda, I mean, that was one of the kindest introductions ever. Um, Good. That really moves me. I, you know, you know, since you take off your shoes and you're, mm-hmm. you worship God with those 26 letters of the English alphabet, it's it's a labor of love, but there's labor involved. I mean, yeah. it's early mornings and it's writer's block and you have to press through and push through. But um, thank you for those kind words and uh, congratulations as well. Uh, and by the way, there are probably uh, 81% of people listening right now feel like they have a book in them. So yeah. I would just say, don't don't give up on it and God's timing like it's it yep. uh, it took me 13 years. I felt called to write at 22, but I didn't write a book until 35. So don't don't yeah. give up on that dream uh, yeah. if that's a dream that you have. Yeah, that's, that's great. Awesome. I'm glad you say that because I've I've identified that as well. Um, I feel like people are asking me all the time about once you write a book, it's like, oh, wow, I feel like I have a book, you know, so that's so common. So anyway, it's good encur- encouragement, too, for people. Yeah, it's exactly what you just said. Yeah, Mr. Encourager over here. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's that's his thing, and that's that's why I love him so much as a writer. So, anyway, um, I want to dive in a little bit and get to, I want to know a little bit more about Mark and like your how this particularly this thanks part, like how this integrated in your life. And so, I want to just start by like thinking back in your life. Can you think about someone who, um, I don't know, like you you were around them and you're like, whoa. 
I think that's what real thankfulness is. I think that's what gratitude really looks like that you were just deeply impacted by. Can you think back to anyone in your life who kind of kickstarted that? Yes. And this isn't a prepared answer. It wasn't even the question I was expecting, but I immediately think of my grandfather, Elmer Johnson, who some of my earliest memories are listening to him pray for me, pray for our family by name. And so he had a profound impact on me. But when you said that, the thing I thought of was, and I, I lived in Minnesota at the time, and we were going out to cut down a Christmas tree. And my huh. grandfather is carrying me on his shoulder. And I hear him quote Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Oh, that's great. And he's someone that lived his life with a profound appreciation for what the rest of us take for granted. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this might be a moment to say that I think sometimes God is so good at what God does that we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And we are living a miracle right here, right now. We're on a planet that spins at a thousand miles an hour. We're on a planet that's speeding through space at 67,000 miles per hour. So even on a day you didn't get much done, you did travel 1.6 million miles through space. <laughs> so everybody celebrate right yeah. now, wherever yeah. you're listening. <laughs> like, that's a big deal. You you yeah. made a 1.6 million mile journey. So, you know, Bob and Linda, when when people say to me they've never experienced a miracle, I understand that. But I, I also would say with all due respect, you have never not. We are living a miracle right here, right now. They're all around us all the time. If we could just open our eyes a little bit wider. Yeah, and it reminds me of that quote, um, which I've quoted and that you quoted in the book that um, Einstein, the whole UK, uh, uh, rephrase it for me. Yes, that there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is. Yeah. And would, would, would you guys agree with me that like, I just like being around people who everything's a miracle. They're just, oh, yeah. they're, they're, it's life giving. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. there's a certain joy um, and, and not a superficial, like that was great. Someone who really has a profound appreciation for this gift called life. And, yeah. and I think it's people who, see the miraculous in other people and in everyday ordinary kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, on the other hand, I, I have been in that moment where I've been like appreciating something like, look at this gorgeous sunset. And I'm with somebody in there like, oh yeah. Uh-huh. And then they start scrolling their phone and I'm like, this is like sucking all my energy, all of the good vibes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't believe that. But uh, you know what I mean? Like all of that thing where you're like, I'm, I want you to enjoy this with me. And when they don't, it does feel like it's just removing all the excitement out of your life. Yeah. Yes. Have you ever been, uh, have you guys been to the Grand Canyon? We haven't yet. Not yet. Okay. Not our list, so, yeah. um, like, I, I don't think you're ready to die until you see the sunset at the Grand Canyon wow. and okay. watch it paint the, the canyon walls, pinks and purples. Uh, And so I've actually, I hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim with my oldest son, kind of as a rite of passage uh, years ago. And then with my youngest son, we rafted the Colorado River and hiked out of the canyon. But here's where I'm going with this. I was amazed how many people on the rim of the canyon 
were just glued to their phones. What? Yeah. Look at look at what's right in front of you. It's it's called the yeah. Grand Grand Canyon for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> like and and sometimes it's just kind of easy to miss the yeah. the miraculous that's happening all around us. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Absolutely. All right. So I want to go back to um if you're willing to share, uh, I would love to hear, uh, you know, if if you haven't always been, I mean, because I feel like a lot of times uh, for communicators like you and I, uh, where some of the things that we're talking about are things that God has had to work through us, like we had to grow in them, you know, and and I'm just wondering if, if you go back to a point in your life where maybe you weren't very strong at gratitude or you weren't very thankful, like if you can identify, scale back or find that point where you were maybe at your worst moment. What would you right now say to yourself then? Well, you know, I, I'll pick a moment out of the hat, Bob, that when when I was 30, uh, actually on a Sunday morning, I was preaching a sermon at church, about five minutes into it, doubled over in pain, went to the doctor, mm -hmm. sent me to the hospital. At three o'clock that morning, a surgeon walked in and said, we need to do emergency surgery. Your intestines have ruptured and sepsis has started to set in. I wow. should have died. I was on a respirator for two days, Whoa. lost 25 pounds in a week, um, wow. had a colostomy for about six months, and then another surgery to reverse it. It was the hardest year of my life. It, it was but I'll tell you this, when I went home after, I think it was eight or nine days in the hospital, I remember two things. I remember one, tucking my kids into bed mm. and thinking they almost lost their dad. Like what a, yeah. what a privilege to be able to tuck them into bed. And I would just stand in their room when they were sleeping and just marvel at, wow, I get to be a dad to my kids. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. and then. My wife, like, I sleep next yeah. to her every night and have for about 30 years now. But if you aren't careful, you can take those things for granted and it just becomes like you don't even think about it. But there was something about that moment that flipped a switch for me. And I'll be honest, I'm a lot more grateful after than I was before yeah. that near-death experience. So. But but here's the sad thing. It shouldn't take a near-death experience. It it shouldn't take an exotic vacation. What what it mm -hmm. should take is a single breath. I mean, take one breath and you just inhaled 12.5 sextillion molecules. That's more <laughs> molecules than all the sand on all the seashores on wow. Earth with one breath. That's oh, crazy. and then... And then there's 25 trillion red blood cells, each of which has 260 million proteins called hemoglobin, which deliver oxygen to the cells of the body. Like I geek out on this stuff because yeah. it, it's the reality of the miracle of what's happening, but we just don't think about it. But, but by, yeah. by the way, the reason why I appreciate breath is because I had asthma for 40 years. Yeah. And so I, I think it's, I remember opening this Nantucket nectar and remember it had the sayings on the bottle caps mm -hmm. back, back in the day. And, and I remember this one that said, if every day was a good day, there would be no good days. Mm -hmm. 
in other words, you need a few bad days to appreciate the good days. And there's something about that that I think gives us a little different perspective on life. That's good. Yeah. And we wish it wasn't that true, but it just is. It is. It is. Yeah. And I think. Because I, I so we had somebody else on the podcast um, a few months ago who had four near death experiences, like significant near death experiences, and he was probably twenty five or twenty eight, like young mid twenties, and and I was just fascinated just talking to him, like, and in our conversation during the podcast and before and after, and just getting to know him a little bit, like his perspective on life was different than anyone else I've ever seen, uh, and 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 I assume that's part of it, <laughs> like. You can't help but see the world differently when you've been so close to not being in it anymore, you know? And, uh, and anyway, and so I think that you're right. There's so many other points or points within our lives where, I don't know, I, I just like, and you know, I know that Linda isn't always the biggest fan of this, but I like thinking about death in, in a way of just identifying I'm not going to be here forever and really just trying to cherish every moment because it helps me do that. It doesn't make me feel sad or down knowing that I'm going to die or that I, whatever, uh, my estimated lifespan using one of those calculators online or something. Yes. Like it, it puts, it gives me more appreciation for every moment and really helps me live in the moment more. Yeah. But, well, yeah. L- Linda's probably a little bit more sane than you and I, Bob, but <laughs> I'm kind of cut from the same, the same cloth. Um, but, y- you know... We're just, we're keeping it real. So in the yeah. last five years, my wife has fought two battles with breast cancer. Mm. Wow. And we were fortunate to catch it early. And we're yeah. on the other side of both of those. But both of those were sucker punches. Yeah. And you you come face to face with your mortality. But I would say that we walked away from those experiences more committed than ever to squeeze the juice out of life, to to enjoy the journey. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we did, and and my wife, man, she, wow, like her changed her diet in a way that she's probably healthier than she's ever been. Um, we realized that sleep is something we need to steward; that it's a big deal. But but then we started going to comedy clubs because. Yeah. Laughter doeth good like a medicine. Yeah. So I think I, I just can we quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death for starters? Can we do that? And, and then yeah. second, like every day is like the first day in your la- and last day of your life. It never has been before, never will be again. So I do think th- there's an art and science to this gratitude thing. And I, I guess what I'm getting at is. Like there's a story in the Gospels where pretty amazing Jesus heals 10 lepers, but only one of them comes back and says, thanks. And I guess I just, I want to be that one leper. He, he That's yeah. one of my heroes that I want to be the guy that always comes back and says, thanks. And so you got to be really good at counting your blessings. And then the way that my wife and I live our lives, one of our mantras is flip the blessing. So wherever we have been blessed, we're going to try to flip that blessing for someone else. Mm -hmm. And man, then it becomes a a really fun game 
of, hey, how can we bless the people in our lives? Like, and, yeah. and sometimes it's, it's little things. Like when, when we, we lost a dog a few years ago and that's, it's really hard because I'm a dog person. I loved, I loved that little dog. And mm-hmm. someone sent us um, a book. Oh, what was the title? I, something about dog heaven. Oh, yeah. You guys, it just blessed us. It's like yeah. it just helped us like grieve a little bit for our sweet puppy dog. Yeah. Um, and then you know what we do? Well, then we flip that blessing for other people. So it it just it becomes a way of yeah. life that that yeah. gratitude becomes the engine then for for generosity. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that. and that's all from Second Corinthians nine eight. You know what I mean? It's like God is giving us that blessing so that we have more to share with others mm-hmm. and be a blessing to other people. And um, yeah, and that's that's like I would say that's one of our primary verses for our ministry is that mm-hmm. verse and that that type of living. And so I love that chapter because you had that whole chapter about that. And um, yeah, I just love that so much. You you talked about something in the book that I thought was really interesting about like struggling to get a result. And if you struggle and don't see the end result or the breakthrough or whatever, then someone else will see it after you. Like all, all of the work that we put into it is not in vain. And I really loved that idea of, yeah, because sometimes it just feels like I've been working on this and working and working and working and I'm not seeing anything, but like paving the path so that other people will see it like it's it's a John the Baptist type of mm, idea, yeah. right? Where you're paving a way for, he was paving a way for Jesus, for people to be ready to hear him speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, just, I really loved that idea. And also the idea of being grateful for, the, grateful for the people who have paved the way for your breakthrough that is already there. Yeah. I mean, in, in Romans 16, how many people does Paul think I... I can't mm. I try to remember. Is it like yeah, 39 know. people or something like that? Oh, really? But it, wow. all of us, all of us, um, there are people that made sacrifices. In fact, right at the top of the list probably would be a mom and dad. And mm. that's not until you have kids that you really begin to appreciate <laughs> some of those sacrifices. By the way, the word diapers spelled backwards is repaid. I'm just throwing that out there <laughs> uh, for the good of the whole and uh, so, yeah, I think, Linda, um, like, I hope and pray that the sacrifices that I make translate into someone else's success. And part of it is that I feel like legacy is not what you accomplish. Legacy is what others accomplish because of you. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, success is succession. It's about adding value to other people, setting other people up and and I'm just, I'm keenly aware that, you know, I, I've had the joy of leading one church for 27 years and we started young enough. I mean, should, should the Lord be gracious enough? You know, we could get 50 years into this thing, yeah. but I'm still an interim pastor. I'm still an interim pastor, like, and I'm, I'm an under shepherd. So I, I think like we got to keep all of those things in perspective that God is always writing a bigger story always writing a better story. And, yeah. and for that, we're grateful. All right. So I have a question for you. And this is, I mean, a little bit of a tangent, but I do think it's tied together. Because um, you, I mean, you've watched God do these big miracles, you know, in your church. I think as an author, you've had a ton of success. 
um, by pretty much everyone's definition. How have you handled that success personally in terms of keeping your heart in the right posture with God in terms of staying in a thankful place, not taking it for granted, not letting it go to your head and just play. Cause I know that that is not an easy thing to do. And I'm just curious if you have wisdom to share on that. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a core value. Uh, if you stay humble and stay hungry, there's nothing God can't do in you or through you. The yeah. second your ego gets in the way, you're in trouble. Yeah. And I, you can be doing the will of God and God can oppose it. And that sounds heretical, but God opposes the proud. So I've just, I've, I love being around down to earth people. Don't you? I, I just like down to earth, <laughs> regular people, like people yeah. who are trying to impress other people are so unimpressive, but people who aren't trying to impress anybody are like <laughs> uber impressive. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I am grateful that our first attempt at church planning was a failure. Um, and so we fell on our faces and it was embarrassing. You know, we told everybody what we were going to do and, and then it didn't work. But the cure for the fear of failure isn't success. It's failure in small enough doses that you build up an immunity to it. And so there was something about that first experience that showed me what I was capable of. And it's, and it's not much. In fact, Let's have a little bit of fun with everybody that's listening. So um, you have a strong hand for 90% of us right hand. And, and these are things that you're just good at. Um, and praise God for that. But, but that we can. Like you can't even sign your name legibly. Like you can barely brush your teeth with your we can. Um, but, but God's power is made perfect in weakness. So like don't be too quick to dismiss uh, the the weaknesses because that that may actually be where God wants to use you because it's a little bit easier to give Him the glory for it. So yeah. I I yeah. think um and I I would also say Bob and Linda that I think you have to define success because if you don't you're you're going to sort of adopt a cultural definition and so for me. Yeah. Success is when those who know me best respect me most. And that's my wife and kids. So it's not about success is not a measurement of pastoring or writing. How am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a dad? Those are the big things to me. At the end of the day, I want to be famous in my home. So that kind of that helps keep things in perspective and maybe keep keep me grounded a little bit. That's great. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly in the the thanks section of this book, like as you were writing this, because I mean, again, like 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 I said at the beginning, one of my favorite things about your writing is you're always finding really cool and interesting stories and connecting them to the points that you're making, mm-hmm. and it just it makes it sticky and it yeah. makes it easy to remember. It's less, uh, yeah, it's just good. It's just really really good and solid. And so I'm just curious is why you're writing that section. Uh, were there any stories or revelations that you got from God that just personally stood out to you the most that just reframed your thinking, your understanding about gratitude um, and thankfulness? I, well, w- w- hmm. when I was 21, I read an 800 page biography about Albert Einstein. And yeah. on page 755, he said something that it changed the trajectory of my life. 
said, never lose a holy curiosity. And so I've, I kind of lived my life with a curiosity about everyone and everything. So, for example, two rules of life with everyone I meet. One, everyone's my superior in some way and that I learn of them. And two, everyone's fighting a battle I know nothing about. So I want to have an extra measure of grace. Um, so I like everything is interesting to me, like every discovery. And I'm, I'm an ideator and a learner. So, but I'll just pull one thing out of my back pocket. Like, you know how the great commandment, love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, what, how do you love God with all of your strength? Well, then, then I read something that, uh, that our, each one of us has not just a unique fingerprint, voice print, eye print, but a unique sweat print that the 373 chemical compounds in That's your sweat wow. combine in a unique way that you smell different than anybody else. Mm. Now, that may sound weird, and it kind of is. <laughs> but when you love God with all of your strength, when you break a sweat for kingdom purposes, yeah. does it not take on a little different dimensionality yeah. when, when you know that no one else is sweating for God the way that you do. And yeah. so I guess the way I'm wired is any and every book I write, like I like reading books that tell me something I don't know. So I want to write books that maybe turn the kaleidoscope a little bit and maybe help us see the ordinary in a little bit different way. Yeah. So long answer, convoluted answer to a good question. No, that's good. That's good. So I was reading it, and one of the things that stood out to me was in the beginning. This might even be, I guess this this is in explaining the, uh, please, introduction. Oh, no, this is in the introduction. Right okay. So it says about 15%. Okay, Dale, this is Dale Carnegie speaking. Do you know what I'm saying yep. already? Yep. 15% of one's financial success is due to one's technical knowledge. And about 85% is due to skill in human engineering. Tell us more. Well, Explain you know, what that means to you. I mean, Dale Carnegie, you know, he literally wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, far, far be it from me to, to one up Dale Carnegie. But I, I think what he was saying is, yeah, your degrees and titles all of that good stuff, it, it'll get you somewhere. It will open some doors. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that the greatest predictor of success in life and love and relationship is please, sorry, and thanks. That if you're good at those three things, you're good to go. And and so, but it's more emotional intelligence. So Daniel Goldman would say, like 80% of the factors that lead to success are not intelligence quotient. It's more emotional intelligence. And so um, th this was uh, kind of fun. A few years ago, I was speaking at a uh, gathering of pastors in the UK. And I spoke right after the Archbishop of Canterbury, which was kind of intimidating because yeah. like, if you're the Archbishop of Canterbury, that's pretty fancy. Like, the title. I mean, you got the title, you got the clergy garb, and I mean, let's be honest, I'm I'm pretty low church and pretty low key. 
And so I literally like I'm speaking right after the archbishop. And then he drops this line. He, he literally says, emotional intelligence is a wonderful adjunct faculty to the gifts of the spirit. Like it took me 10 minutes to even decipher what that meant. Um, and, and I think what he was saying is like the gifts of the spirit are great. But we could probably use them with a little bit more emotional intelligence yeah. Yeah. and we would probably get a little bit further. And, and so this idea that, man, people skills and just empathy for other people yeah. and just looking people in the eye mm -hmm. and just showing them respect and just the image of God in me greets the image of God in you. And how can I add value to your life? And it's not about me. Like, those are things that, man, we just live in a cultural moment where what in the world is going on? Because yeah. everybody yeah. is blaming everybody else for almost everything. And I just don't think that's going to solve our problems or get us where we need to go. So I think a rising tide of please, sorry, and thanks would at least be a starting point. And yeah. uh, if we could cultivate that art and science. Um, I really believe that's what opens doors, mends fences, builds bridges. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's interesting because this is something I'm really trying to drill into my kids right now. We have four, almost six and a nine-year-old. And I say, you know, who threw this on the ground? And all three of them go, not me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then we finally get down to it. And it was one of them, of course, you know, because I'm like, I didn't throw that on the ground. Neither did your dad. So it was one. Of, it was obviously one of you. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, this this escalates into a problem. If you don't say, I'm sorry, it was me. I'll take care of it. That's it. Like. It's, yeah, it's, it's no big interesting deal. how it's no apologize. big deal if you just admit to doing something you shouldn't have done, apologize yep. and move on with the day. But it it just comes to this point of escalation where it's like, you know, we're all screaming and, you know, it, it it's really interesting. But it's like just a simple just take responsibility for the thing that you messed up in yep. and then move on with your life. And um, yep. I mean, I was even talking to a friend who she worked. Let's see. She worked at a store that was several levels tall and she left the water running on the top level all night long and it didn't flood the entire building but it was like it came down the elevator and down the staircase i mean it was not good and she walks in the next day and she's like that was definitely me but one of her coworkers said just lie just lie oh. just don't tell them it was you and she i mean she she kind of laughed her off she was like why would i tell them it wasn't me I was the last person here. Like there's security cameras everywhere. You know what I mean? But it's like uh, she uh, actually saved her job because she admitted that she did something wrong and tried yes. to do what she could to make it right. I mean, this is where the stakes are a little bit higher than my, you know, three-year-old throwing his candy wrapper on the ground. Yeah. Yep. But it's like I, I think this there's something to this lost art of admitting when you've made a mistake. Yep. And asking yep. for forgiveness. Yeah. And then thanking people. For, you know, helping you out and not condemning you as, you, uh, you know, as much as you're condemning yourself, honestly. Yeah. Well, when someone apologizes, when someone says sorry and it's genuine, 
in my experience, trust level always goes up. Like, cause, cause we all assume we're all going to make mistakes. We're going to do dumb stuff. We're going to say things we regret. Yeah. It's how you handle it. That's the differentiator. And so Absolutely. I feel like this might be a moment just to speak a little bit of encouragement to, to parents. And I, I know this isn't like exclusively a, a parenting uh, podcast, but you know, we beat ourselves up and, and we'll get a lot of things wrong. But one of the things I always tell parents and we have three kids in their 20s now. So I feel like we've been around the block a time or two. Yeah, you made it. And, uh, and one of the things that, that, you know, I always try to say is you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But that's good news because how are your kids going to learn how to apologize mm. if they don't learn it from you? So this may be your greatest teaching opportunity. Your mistakes actually set the stage for you to teach your kids one of the most important lessons they'll ever learn. And so, um, you know, parents, yeah, this is this is hard, hard work, but let's simplify it a little bit. Like, really, if I can teach my kids to be good at please, sorry and thanks, these, you know, what my mom and dad called the three magic words, like. Let's not overcomplicate it. And, and, oh, by the way, and, and then when you, when you mess something up and my wife would be fine with this because we, we both see the same counselor kind of off and on and have for years. Um, cause everybody needs a counselor in my experience okay. for, for something at some point. So uh -huh. we, we were talking to, uh, the counselor and saying, but what if we mess up our kids? This is many years ago when our kids were younger, like, but we're going to mess them up. What if we mess them up? And, and the counselor just didn't even skip a beat and said, give them my number. <laughs> no, it's like, Hey, we're, we're, we all need a little bit of help. So, yeah. um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, if we can be good at these three things, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah. That's so good. That's good. I love that. All right. Anything else? No, that's great. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come and share. So people can find the book. Um, please, sorry, thanks. Everywhere, of course. Everywhere. Books are sold, right? Um, <laughs> is there anywhere that people can find you? Are you active on social media or anything where people can find more about Mark? I, I am. I try not to be overactive, if you know what I mean. Yes. But I, I am. Same here. Uh, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mark Batterson and then markbatterson.com. And, and, you know, you can read a sample chapter of the book and there's a few value ads and some freebies and things that we uh, awesome. like to offer for free. So, um, and uh, what a joy. Hey, Bob and Linda, you guys are just, uh, you're, uh, you're salt of the earth. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we fit in that category. <laughs> so that's awesome. that good. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank appreciate you so the conversation. Much. And thanks thank again. You. Thanks. 
really love creating fresh content for you each week, but if you have not checked out our book, Simple Money, Rich Life, this really is our best work, and we have some free resources we want to tell you about. So if you enjoy listening to our soothing voices, then you can download chapter one of the audiobook. And if you prefer to read, we have the first two chapters of the ebook version. Or we even have a five-week book study outline based on this book. You can download all of this for free at seedtime.com slash sample.